Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Good morning, Jundo. How are you doing today? Uh, one, one second. We are having, uh, even as I speak, a... Full eclipse of the moon right now, and it is up to the priest. I have to bring back the moon if I'm not chanting. One second. Maka hanya hara shingyo. Gyate gyate hara gyate hara so gyate bodhisattva hanya shingyo. Okay, the moon's going to come back. Are you sure? Well, that's our that's my <laughs> role. You know, is to make sure that uh, eclipses. Uh, all come out for the best. Was that one of the things that Roshis had to do back in the day? Yes, one of the one of the reasons that Zen was so popular, not just Zen, I would say Buddhism in Japan, in China, in India, was not, of course, because of our great meditative attainments, the higher aspects of Buddhist philosophy, but it was for practical stuff, such as making the crops grow and bringing the moon back. Now, you will agree that getting the moon back is a good thing. So it's pretty important, know. yeah. And getting the sun back is even more important. Yeah, we did that too. We did that yeah. too. Sure. So, do right. you have a total eclipse? I don't think we're getting a total one here. They call this the blood moon, and I think this is appropriate because we're recording on November eighth, which is election day in the United States. And our subject today ties in with the election, the collapse of the UK, which we are witnessing, uh, <laughs> and uh, the war in uh, Ukraine. All the uh, terrible. Things that uh, are happening all around the world, all of that ties in very much with uh, our subjects today, because as the great Bodhisattva Barbara Streisand said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. That's the only thing. I'm not singing. I'm talking it. So this is going to be an upbeat episode. It is. It is, because uh, the world needs uh, to be upbeat. The moon is coming back, and so are, okay. so is, so are the rest of us. Okay. So you wanted to talk about the Brahma Vihara, the four sublime attitudes or the abodes of Brahma. These are four Buddhist virtues. And I think we'll go through them very quickly because there's only four. It's not like 12 or 84 in the other lists we've had. But these are all things we're really familiar with, right? These are not... In recent episodes, we've gone through lists of things that could be obscure, and we had two lists that were different and all that. But here we've only got four. So where do you start? No, it's no, 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 no. I, I get paid by the word, and it's going to uh, – this is – a couple of these are going to take a little – We're still going to take our 25 minutes. I'm not saying it's going to be a short episode. I'm just saying it's going to be less confusing than the last couple of episodes where we've had lists and lists. Right. Buddhists love their lists, and this is another uh, list. It only has four items, especially number one and two. We're going to go – uh, take a bit of a deep dive. Three and four, we can, I think, uh, we can uh, go a little quickly. But uh, one and two, man, they're beautiful. And uh, truly, uh, number one, I think, is uh, what we should spend most of our time on, which is, what is it? Meta. 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 Not the company that has social media. No, 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 no. Not, not, uh, not uh, anything to do with virtual reality, but in fact, loving kindness and benevolence which just from the those words alone, you know it's a good thing that we can all use in this world. Well, tell us how we can get more loving kindness or benevolence, because I think that's in short supply lately. 
Well, first of all, let me let me give you a little background on the the whole Brahma Vihara thing. Uh, there are many names for this. One is, uh, for example, the Brahma Viharas, which are the the abodes of the Brahmas, which may have to do with the fact that the Brahmas are the gods in India, and this may actually be something that came from outside Buddhism, which was brought into Buddhism. We don't we don't have a monopoly on love, my friend. Mm-hmm. We we share love with with many many good philosophies and religions, and this is an example. But in this case, the word Brahma means more uh, heavenly, divine, in the sense that it's just wonderful. It's These are the abodes, these are the states of the heart, which if you have these, your heart is godly, uh, something like that. Now, So instead of an uppercase Brahma being a god, it's the lowercase Brahma being the godliness? Well, yes and no, because some folks took it quite literally and said, if you, li- if you truly live this way and follow these uh, tenets for your life, you will be reborn in the realm of the Brahmas, of the gods, uh-huh. right? I, I don't take it that way. You know me. Yeah. So I take it to say uh, cleanliness is godliness, like that. It's, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it keeps us on the straight and narrow. It, it makes us godly in our, in our heart. So, and it's also called in Chinese the four unmeasurables, not the unmentionables, mm. which is what my yeah. grandmother had in her drawer, but the immeasurables because they're, they're boundless. There's boundless love. There's boundless compassion. There's boundless empathetic joy. So loving kindness is just caring for others, doing good things for others, right? I would say it's a little more, and and truly, uh, this is important today. Uh, And I'll I'll tell you a little story why. There is a chant that goes with this, that is very popular uh, first in South Asian Buddhism and slightly less in in China, but really wasn't so important in Zen in Japan, because uh, Zen, I'd say the, the, the feeling was there, but we didn't emphasize this so much. Uh, Zen was very macho and samurai and masculine. And it came to the West, and uh, a lot of Zen teachers, I, I'm one of them, felt uh, maybe we should soften this up a little. Now, I'm not sh- sure who started this, but a few years ago, someone found the Metta chant that is popular in South Asia. And it's become very popular amongst Zen groups, including my own. We chant every week. And I, I'd like to try today to chant what this is. Tell you a little bit. You can chant as long as you don't sing. I get your point. Okay. Okay. I'm going to chant. I'm going to... Well, excuse me. Right now, I need to have a little kind, loving kindness for you. One second. Okay. Thank you, Roshi. All's forgiven. All right. Now, the reason this is important is because in this world in which we feel such tension, such resentments and hate sometimes towards others, especially it's election day in the United States, <laughs> uh, this is a very good thing to have. So ask me who we chant. I think... I can answer that. We chant for everyone, don't we? Yes, but be specific. Well, all sentient beings. Yes. More? Yes. More specific? More. Every sentient being to be born and who has ever lived? Okay, let me let, let me catch to the chase here. Uh, first off, we chant for ourselves. First, though it's really a cycle, how to say. Uh, but it's a little bit like saying, if you're going to wish well towards others, you should do so beginning with yourself. It's a little bit uh, like the oxygen mask on the airplane. You know, you put it on your own face, and then you can help others. So cleanse your own heart, fill it with loving kindness, and wish yourself peace and uh, equanimity and and flowing acceptance of life. And then you're prepared to go on to others. The next, uh, in our uh, version that we chant in our sangha, someone in our family, someone we love. Then next, we chant for a friend. I'll chant for you today. Then we chant for a stranger. We chant, for example, the, the fellow who just delivered a package at our door today, or even someone we don't remember that we passed uh, in a store. Could be anyone. But here's the one that's very interesting to me. Part of this chant, we 
chant for the person who did us wrong, did us great harm, is doing great harm in this world, uh, truly someone who's doing evil. And I always have to explain why. Ask me why, Kurt. Why would we chant for people who are doing evil? Is this going to convert them and make them good? Well, okay. Uh, first, I got to discuss what this chant actually does. Some people believe that there are, you know, energies that actually flow and the goodness in your heart goes out there and it, it flows in the ether somewhere and gets in their heart and makes everything better. I'm not so sure about that in a literal sense. I don't think these are like radio signals that go out. But I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm on the internet right now. Hello, internet. And I'm saying something in Japan that is going to many places around the world. And if I say something right now hateful or angry, like you're in the UK, and if I tell you I, I really hate that shirt you're wearing, you know, it, it makes a feeling, a real feeling that travel and causes first off harm or immediately around me. If I'm in a bad mood, my family knows it, then maybe in my my friends, my town, maybe these days, you know, I can do great damage in my country, in the whole world, right? Okay, this is the opposite. All that because you don't like my shirt. The whole world's going to collapse. No, no, the whole world's <laughs> not going to collapse. But you, you can see that if people can say and do things that create great divisions and anger in the world. Yeah. So if we do the opposite here, it does travel out. Now, I'm not going to say it's literally going to change this guy's heart, but it has effect. It has power. There's a real power here. Now, it may just affect me and the people around me, but if, if I go to my friend and I say something kind, it's going to soothe him. If I say something angry, it's going to upset him. So I have power in my words and actions. Okay, so this has a certain power. Yeah. I would say it's kind of like the weather. If you can say something nice, it's kind of like a ray of sun. And if you say something mean, it's kind of like clouds and rain. And it's, it's a diffused type of feeling that just makes people feel slightly better or slightly worse. And the more you say good or the more you say bad, the more you affect the weather. That's just groovy, man. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. It has. No, I, I, but I don't think this chant can literally change the weather, but it can change no, the no, atmosphere. The metaphorical weather, the atmosphere around people like the weather. Right, right, right. So let's get back to why we chant for the bad people. And I've chanted recently for Putin. I've chanted for, uh, I saw, um, even though he's no longer with us, I saw a, a criminal who was on the, on the TV who did a terrible thing uh, recently, and I chanted for him. Why? With the idea that if this person truly knew the peace and health, health and body and mind and acceptance and love that we're talking about, this person would not have done this thing. And even though this person, it's, it's kind of too late, I'm kind of chanting in my heart to say the other people like him who are out there, and they are, I'm chanting right now with the hope that if these people knew health, health and mind and body. If they knew peace, if they knew acceptance, they would not be these people. That's how I chant for the bad guys. So what's the chant? Go ahead. Let's do it. Okay, let me, where's my bell? I just have my bell for the, let me check how the mood's coming. It's gone. Oh my gosh. Wait a second. <laughs> no, no, it'll be back. Okay. Anyway, we're going to dedicate this chant also to the moon. Uh, first off, pick somebody. You got somebody? All right. Yeah, I'm thinking of someone. I mean, someone who did you wrong, man. Oh, everyone who did me wrong? Not everybody, man. That'd be a long list. Let me just say that when we do this chant right now, I'd like to make it a special dedication because of all the political tensions in this world. We tried it this week in our Sangha, and it really worked good. You don't just have to uh, chant for all beings in general. This week, we chanted for a little bit as a cure for politics. Now, I told you before, I try to keep politics out of our Sangha. But this chant was, how to say, the medicine for what's going on. First, we chanted for ourselves. Then we chanted for someone we know in our lives we love who agrees with us on everything politically. We all have a friend like that, hmm. the sane one, 
Then we chanted for the disaffected individual who thinks, man, elections don't matter, I don't care, it's all fixed, okay? But then we chanted for the politician, oh, first off, no, uh, excuse me, then we chanted for our uncle who we love, and he's a great guy, but his opinions at family dinners just drive us nuts. We all got that guy. And then we chanted for the politician we cannot stand, who is just the greatest danger in the world right now. And I don't mean, I mean in our own country, not let's leave Putin out of this this time. And I'm not saying who that is. I'm saying we all have somebody. And then the, finally, I, I chanted for the, the, the guy next to that. There's always two or three guys we can't stand. So pick one of those politicians or your uncle that is driving you crazy, and we're going to chant for this person right now. I'm not telling you which side he's on. I'm just saying the guy who, man, you just can't take it. You got somebody? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Okay. Here we go. All right. Remembering that if we have all these words, Go out, they will soothe this person's heart. Maybe they wouldn't be like this. May he be free of suffering. May he feel safe and still quiet in his heart. May he be free of enmity. Enmity means hate. May he be loving, grateful and kind. Oh boy, this person could use with a little kindness. May he be healthy in body and mind and at ease in all his ills. Which sometimes seem too obvious to me, but I'm going to put that aside. Let's stay on track. May he be at peace, embracing all conditions of life. Let me check. No, the moon has not come back yet. No, it's gone. It's right at the peak of the eclipse now, but uh, I'll take care of that later. This chant has real power. At, at least it's our hope for a better world. If we truly live this way, boy, wouldn't it be nice wishing each other uh, kindness and benevolence. And when we do this chant, it's kind of a visualization exercise to, to cure our own heart. When I say, I wish you peace, I feel this true wish in my heart. There's a lot of Buddhist practices that are kind of visualization. I don't just say the words. I really should feel that a sincere wish in my heart. So I recommend this to everybody. Do it every every day. And if a guy cuts you off in traffic, if uh, you know somebody in the office drives you crazy, a little metta goes a long way. And what results from that metta is the next Brahma Vihara, which is compassion. Compassion, which, as many things in Buddhism do, it has a, a kind of double meaning. And all of, the, all of these do. Remember, as Mahayana Buddhists, we, we think that there are actually no sentient beings in need of anything. They just don't know it. So we're kind of chanting for them provisionally until they realize the peace themselves. And compassion is, is a perfect example. Compassion is karuna, and it has basically the ordinary meaning, which is feeling um, that you care for how others are doing, that you are are moved by their their suffering that you want to do something to help them that you 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 are there to lend a hand the the, the symbol we've spoken about from uh, a few episodes is the bodhisattva of avalokitesvara canon who has all the hands and when she he uh, they feel the suffering of the world they reach out with those hands to lend a hand this is compassion but there's a special meaning in Zen and Mahayana Buddhism, which do you know by this time what that is? No. 
that there are no sentient beings in need of anything truly, and nothing is lacking. Well, you said that at the beginning. That's nothing new. Yeah, I know, but it's nothing new. It's thousands of years old, actually, this teaching. But this is something we got to get in our heart. One of the ways we help the sentient beings is not just by feeding the hungry, not just by comforting the, those who are afraid, not just by being companions to the lonely, but also teaching them this nothing is lacking because nothing is separate. And this is the ultimate compassion. And so it comes down to the fact that we're all enlightened and we just don't know it. Exactly. Which is, so besides bringing the moon back, <laughs> it is my job to teach people this. Otherwise, I would be out of a job. So it's a good thing that people don't know this. Uh, otherwise, uh, you know, I would I wouldn't have a podcast. <laughs> okay, so when other people are happy, we have a feeling of sympathetic joy, mudita. Now, uh, again, uh, this is one that's easy kind of to skip over because it seems, you know, uh, I'm just happy for your success or well-being. I think it's a very powerful one. Now, I want to I add something about the actually uh, loving kindness, if I can. In our um, sangha, we change the words a little to move from a wish for people's happiness to their equanimity and acceptance of all conditions of life. This is a little more, bit more of a Zen view, that I'm not necessarily wishing you always to be happy, 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 because you're not going to always be happy in life. There are days that are going to be sucking lemons. This is life. But uh, I wish you the power to accept and flow with all conditions. Now, when I wish you, when I have empathetic joy, I should also feel so how to say, not jealous about your success. All of these have opposites, you see. If I'm not wishing you loving kindness, I'm kind of uh, hateful. And I wish you, I wish you ill. And if I'm not compassionate about you, I'm kind of, I don't give a damn. And I'm selfish. Well, here too, if I'm not feeling empathetic joy, I'm kind of, uh, I, I checked the pronunciation be before I came. I'm feeling that schadenfreude, that wonderful... <laughs> Was I close? Schadenfreude is reveling in the pain and suffering of others. Yes. Well, that's exactly the opposite. It, it's it's like when people say, ooh, they got their comeuppance, that sort of thing. Yes. Well, this is the opposite. And I think we're all often tempted. Uh, for example, the fellow I just uh, uh, chanted for, when he lost his election, I felt this. I felt a schadenfreude <laughs> because I was glad that he looked uh, a little miserable that day. And it was wrong um, for me to, to do that. Uh, I, I should have met also with a little equanimity that, uh, unfortunately, uh, I wish it not had been. Uh, I was glad he lost the election. Let's just face it. But this is this is just wishing uh, well to others, even those we find uh, difficult to wish well. So you mentioned equanimity, which is the fourth one. And there was a really interesting article in The Guardian yesterday. I'll link to it in the show notes. Why we shouldn't try to be happy. It points out, someone wrote a book called Life is Hard. You know, th that's a real title that's going to sell a million copies, right? But it is a, a book of moral philosophy saying, you're striving for happiness. You're trying to reach the, the, the brass ring you'll never get. Go for the equanimity. Go for the satisfaction of what you have, which is our whole message, isn't it? That's it, just what I said. It, but we feel a certain joy to be happy and a certain joy to be brokenhearted sometime. Or shall we say... Uh, some of it's a, more of an acceptance, but some of it's a welcoming. Some of it's uh, actually a, a joy at life. It's ups and downs. And if we can master that, uh, we're, we're better, I'd say, than someone who just experiences being brokenhearted and losing is losing. When you're up, be up. When you're down, be down and, and realize it all as the flow of life. If you were happy all the time, you wouldn't realize that you're happy. You need to be sad to understand what happiness is. 
But even both of those, if you have too much of one and too much of the other, then you're constantly shifting. That's why that idea of equanimity makes a lot more sense than striving for happiness. And if you read the Dalai Lama's books that all have the, the, the word happiness in them, that's the bait and switch that's in all of those books. And, and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't say it's a bad thing, but actually the message there is you're not going to be happy, happy, happy all the time, but be happy sometimes to be sad. Because as I said, you're, if you're reborn in the Brahma kingdom, that is where people are always happy, and it's considered to be kind of a, a dead end, uh, uh, shall we say, an opium den of sorts. And to be in hell is not good. Well, no, no, you, you don't want to get everything you want. The best place to be is here on Earth where we have balance, uh, but it's ups and downs. That's what life is. But there's a lot of benefits from all this. Ask me what some of the benefits are. Are there benefits from all this? I came across a list. <laughs> Buddhism, we, we have lists. I came across the lists of, uh, this is specifically about the benefits of loving kindness meditation, but I think it applies to all the four uh, divine abodes we're talking about. It's from the Metta Nisansa Sutta. And here's the list. Number one, if you, if, you, if you truly feel this and live this in your heart, wishing all this towards others, you will sleep well. You will wake up well. You will not dream nightmares. You will become likable to humans. I know. I think this is all realistic, right? Can you lose weight? You will lose weight. No, there's nothing here about losing weight. Now, but Will you grow hair back? <laughs> no. In your case, you, you have to accept that with? Equanimity. Equanimity. Okay. Equanimity about your, 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 your hairline that is not re returning. Okay. Now, five, six, and seven, I have to say I had a little trouble with if taken literally. It says you will become likable to ghost beings. Hmm. You, will be, you will become <laughs> likable to divine beings, and you will not come to any harm due to poisons or weapons. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. But let's... All right. Eight, nine, ten, you will attain concentration quickly. Maybe so. Your heart is not distracted by wishing ill will towards others. You will get your body colorful and bright. I would say, yes, positive attitude leads towards health. Doctors say so. There's medical basis for this. Mm -hmm. You will die conscientiously. And I like that because I think on your deathbed, it's true. If you have a choice about this, let's say you don't get hit by the bus. You got a chance yeah. to really think about it. Okay? You want to look back and you want to say, I was not a son of a Buddha. I was a, you know, I was a... <laughs> I, I, I lived a good life. I tried to do walk a good way. I wished well to others. I think you will die better. I don't think this is, this is, this is uh, so amazing. And then it says, of course, you will be born in the Brahma world, uh, which is, you know, maybe so. So there you go. So at least, at least six of these ten, I think, okay, sleeping well, uh, you know, dying well, I'll take just those two. Okay. Where do we go from here, Roshi? Wait a second. I got to check on the moon. No. Okay. Gate, gate. I gotta go out and chant, uh, Kirk. Uh, I'll see you later. Gate, gate, hara, gate, hara, so gate, bodhi, so yo. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating, tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen of everything.com. Thanks for listening.